welcome to the third episode of Food for Thought. In this season, I will be presenting the information I have found on the hierarchy of evidence using the skills I have learned and obtained in the first two podcasts. Great! Could you start by telling me the definition of hierarchy of evidence? Definitely! Previously, we discussed how we are able to identify what type of study is used in the article by looking at the method section. As there are many types of study, the hierarchy of evidence is a useful categorical tool which assigns the different study types into different tiers or levels based on their quality. Simply put, they are graded in terms of how trustworthy and factual the information is, depending on how the study is designed. Given that there are many studies out there, we can use it to decide if the findings from an article are of poor or good quality. The higher up the hierarchy, the stronger the quality of evidence is presented in the study. Good work so far, Rachel. Could you elaborate more on the different study types? Yes. In fact, I have come up with a summary diagram labelled Hierarchy of Evidence. There are generally two broad categories of study types, observational studies and experimental studies. In experimental studies, the participants are usually introduced to an intervention or treatment. One group of participants would be treated while the other group does not receive any treatment. Therefore, Experimental studies are higher up in the hierarchy as there are lesser chances of other factors affecting the results. Experimental studies are also done in a controlled environment and method. In observational studies, the researchers measure or survey the sample group without trying to affect them. The participants are observed in their status quo. However, Observational studies are usually at the lower end of the hierarchy, as there are many other external factors that could affect the results. But they are useful in situations where we are unable to conduct experimental studies due to ethical reasons, such as implementing a smoking group to show the association between smoking and lung cancer. Moving on to some of the specific study designs I have found, Starting off at the bottom of the hierarchy are ecological studies. These are studies based on information or data that is routinely collected at the population level. Next on the list, there are cross-sectional studies, which are a type of observational study. These provide a snapshot of a specific disease in the population at a targeted point in time. One common example of such such data is the Annual National Health Survey of Australia, which gathers the health of Australians, including health conditions, risk factors, and demographic information. Moving up another step on the hierarchy ladder, we have got case control studies, where researchers compare two groups of people, people with disease, also known as cases, and people without disease, known as controls, by looking at their history of a certain exposure. Case control studies are very useful for the investigation of rare diseases, as the outcome data is collected at the individual level. In cohort studies, 
A group of people with different levels of exposure to a certain factor are followed over a period of time. Information about the targeted risk factor is collected. At the end of the study, the researchers compared those exposed and those not exposed with their different outcomes to see if the factor is related to a certain disease. Cohort studies are at a higher level of evidence as compared to other studies because they sort of mimic an experimental, an experimental study where the outcome is measured in the future. Now, let us discuss the two major categories of experimental studies, non-randomized controlled trials and randomized controlled trials. Just a second, Rachel. Could you explain to me a little more about the terms control and randomization? Of course. The word control means that in a particular study, there are two groups of participants, one of which is an untreated group and the other is receiving a standard treatment, also known as the intervention. This allows us to compare the outcome of the two groups and to evaluate the effects of the particular intervention or treatment, given that other factors are being accounted for. Therefore, experimental studies may illustrate direct evidence of cause and effect relationship between treatment and outcome. Additionally, randomization in an experimental study would further increase its quality, as participants are allocated to the treatment or untreated group by chance. This reduces the likelihood of a biased assessment resulting from researchers' manipulation. During the selection process, every person has an equal chance to take part in the experiment and every participant also has an equal chance of being selected either into the treatment or control group. I have also found that another process called blinding increases the reliability of the study. This refers to when the participants and or the investigators do not know which intervention group the participants are in. Hence, it further reduces the bias that may be found in the study. Hmm, but I'm not quite sure what bias means. Let me give a little help here. Bias refers to when one outcome is favoured over another and it is not due to the treatment under investigation. It might arise due to limitations of the experimental design and biasness reduces reliability. Ah, I see. Here's a bonus question for you, Rachel. Did you manage to find out what is of a higher level of evidence after randomized controlled trials? I know this one. The highest form of evidence is found in systematic review papers, where the authors provide a high quality summary of many different articles that are addressing the same topic. These different articles are critically accessed and evaluated. Usually, systematic reviews will also end with an overall conclusion out of all these articles. Phew, that was a good test of my knowledge. Well done! Give yourself a pat on the back. To summarize, the hierarchy of evidence is useful as it enables us to predict the quality of evidence in a scientific article by looking at its study design. But there's more than that to nutritional epidemiology. 
There could be other alternative sources which also provide nutrition information. Stay tuned to find out how we can evaluate and identify credible sources of literature. See you in the next episode of Food for Thought. <laughs>